The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone, I'm Mac19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. Coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. Joining me this evening is Porsche. No, it's not. It's Rick. Oh, Rick's back. back. And I was yawning just as you started. Yeah, what a surprise. One second in. (laughs) But I'm not eating. Oh, that's that's a first. That's a first. That is a bonus, isn't it? It is a bonus. Yeah, yeah, I think think people forgot who I was and everyone just expected Porsche from now on. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I I did get a lot of uh, very disappointed uh, PMs when I said that uh, you would be on. Um, but look, these things happen, you know. So we we just got to deal with it. <laughs> screw screw you all. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm sure nine out of ten of them from were from Porsche. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and the, and the tenth one, I'm I'm pretty sure is just a Porsche troll. So yeah. And what a and what a weekend of footy, Macca. Is this the 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 closest round in the closest season ever? I don't know about that, but it was pretty bloody good. What a round of footy. It's, a, it's amazing balls. I mean, we couldn't get a better start to the round, really. I mean, yeah. wasn't it just glorious? It was a great start on Thursday and, night. It was very, very good. And then the Sydney game was a cracker. It was only one point. The Dogs game was great. The Melbourne game was great. The Geelong game one was point, even better. Three points. Yeah, three points. It was it's just amazing. There. It's up there it with the best of all time, I've got to say. What, so what's, go, what's going on in the 2017 season? Why is it so close? I don't know. There's just no standout team. This is what the AFL wants. I must admit, as a spectator, it is actually more interesting. Do you admit it? Do you, do you agree? Oh, for sure. Yep. It's yeah, always good I mean, when, when you don't know who's going to win the premiership and it's not a fait accompli, you know. In June, that's always good. And I mean, it's frustrating for us as supporters a little bit when you don't know what version of your team's going to show up, but it also makes it interesting as well, doesn't it? It does, mate. As I said, I'm very happy with the season so far. Sitting in fourth place, we've got a huge opportunity the next couple of weeks to really cement ourselves um, in getting the double chance. So, fingers crossed we can get the job done. Absolutely. I'm excited for the run home. And... Um... Yeah, I guess. And the great thing is that Melbourne's on the charge, so they're going to take the heat off us because Victoria is going to love talking about Melbourne. And, yeah, uh, yeah, so none of the expectation is going to be on Port Adelaide until until we make the grand final. But uh, if you offered me fourth position, second highest percentage, um, the best defence in the league, um, without telling me who we're going to win or lose to... um, I would have taken it 99 Every day out of 100 times. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I guess the only thing that I would have could have been is how, uh, you know, would I be feeling as a supporter? And I think I asked a question to you guys a couple of weeks ago in the last week. If we had beaten Geelong, would I be feeling any different as a supporter? And I think for me personally, yeah, I would. I'd be, I'd be a little bit more secure with the Port Adelaide. Uh, team that's playing at the moment. It's just that because we uh, dropped that game, we're still lacking that little bit of the uh, beating the top side credibility. But I don't think it's far away at all. Yeah, well, that's right. I think so. I think we've got a big chance, as I said, a big chance the next couple of weeks. If we win the next two games, we'll start to get the respect we deserve as well, I think. Absolutely. And I mean, look, we play Subiaco well and West Coast is our next game, I believe, after Richmond. So, um, you know, I think we, we should have beaten them twice here and for some reason we didn't. And I think we're going we're gonna to prefer the wider oval of Subiaco. So um, I'm very, very optimistic. That's it. Right, let's talk about our love and our hate for this week, mate. What was your love? No, no, you go first. What's yours? My love is uh, Sammy Power Pepper signing up until the end of 2020 and uh, Frampton signing on for another two years as well. Yeah, that's great. And I think it's fantastic for someone like Billy Frampton who um, 
uh, you know, hasn't got an opportunity yet and maybe has provided a couple of opportunities or presented himself to have that opportunity that he's keeping a cool head. And I think, you know, that should time out with Paddy Ryder maybe potentially starting to decline a little bit and Billy coming through and, and SPP, what a, what a legend of a player he's becoming already. Oh, he's great. He's fantastic. But I'm more impressed about the Frampton one. I think that shows really good faith by the club, and it shows that they rate him quite highly. And he's just really got to bide his time, I think, and he's going to get a go. Um, any other year, he probably would have got a couple of games so far this year, but um, it's good to have a pretty settled side out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, it's... Look, what can you say? I mean... They're probably signings that you can tolerate at this point in time, the future coming through. Um, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the senior players over the next couple of weeks in relation to that bottleneck. Yeah, for sure. What was your love? What was my love? Um, well, is it easy enough to say us winning? I think it's more the fact um, outside of Essendon, our defensive our defensive structure. I mean, Collingwood only kicked 60 points or 63 points, I think it was to be exact. Um, yeah, our defense with Jacko not there this year, people calling for the tall forward um, still needs to, it still continues to stack up pretty much game after game. Um, we've got the best defense in the competition. I think I, I checked the tar- yes, table yesterday. So um, yeah, I'm just really loving our de- defensive pressure over the ground and, and I think everyone's been talking about Chad Wingard um, tagging Pendlebury in the third quarter. I'm just loving the uh, yeah the team ethos that we've got going at the moment. Mm. I think it's the best team ethos we've had for a long time. Yeah, for sure. I, I would agree with that for a very, very long time, I think, as well. Um, which is great because we, we are playing really, really good defensive football at the moment. We've just got to get it right in front of goal. And then we'll uh, we'll be a pretty hard team to beat, I think. But uh, at the moment, the, the team defence is really working a treat. You know, the the defensive group uh, as a whole is is playing fantastically well. Uh, the defensive pressure we're putting on through the midfield is is really impressive too. Absolutely, it's very exciting. And um, what's your hate, man? My hate is also kind of a half love, and that's uh, Whitey. Screw the Wingers. That was the most ridiculous overreaction I've ever seen on Friday when he was a late inclusion for the injured uh, Brody. Um, it, it was... Sh- we spoke about it on nothing. the podcast. He's well, showing nothing, Macca. It, it was a selection of necessity as opposed to form. That's what it was. But even uh, looking at that, his form prior to the last week was actually pretty mm-hmm. decent. He was averaging about 20 touches and a goal a game in the, in the SANFL. So... He had one bad game, and everyone thought he'd, you know, not got a kick for, you know, two years, which uh, which wasn't true. And we did speak about it in the preview that um, if Brody was going to be a late out, that White was the most likely replacement. And we, both myself and Porsche, seemed pretty okay with that at the time. Um, and I was fine with him coming in, but uh, I just thought the reaction on Big Footy was a bit. Uh, uncalled for as a whole people calling it the worst selection of all time and you know this that and the other and i'm really glad that he ended up uh delivering and you know 21 touches and a goal and four inside 50s he was really really good on the weekend and absolutely deserved his spot yeah but maca you've got to admit i mean how can you be picked with only six disposals in the reserves it's it's not really a um a convincing uh form to be selected sure but as I said it was a selection of necessity you know we're, we're without Polek we're without Amon we're without Brody uh, Monfries is injured Johnson was injured who else are we going to get to play a wing like Archie can't play a wing Palmer can't play a wing maybe we could mm. have brought in um, Drew or Atley to, to run on the outside a bit but again Atley's more inside Drew, there was no way Willem Drew was going to get 21 touches and a goal on a debut. Um, you know, he, he he played well. He did his job. Okay, and I guess I'm going to flow on from this and use this as part of my hate as well because, look, I was a bit concerned about White playing, but I'm very ecstatic that he played well. And I think a fit Matt White in our side is amazing for our team because we... I think you brought up 2014, was it, with Polak and White and the side, the damage they did. Um, 
if it wasn't you, I'm giving you the credit from someone else. But it's true. I'll take it. I mean, they provided a lot of run, and uh, we need his run. And I mean, you think Polek, Impey, and uh, White, and their fast run and carry in our side. Mm. I mean, that's actually that's amazing. That's you know, if that's sustainable. And I guess, I guess my hate is um, the easy selection policy of our supporters on, especially on big footy, where uh, it seems to be, oh, well, let's drop. Let's drop Young and Need because they're not getting much ball or influence in the game and bring back um, Pollock and uh, Broadbent. Uh, however, I don't think selecting the 7th, 8th, ninth best, best midfielders or players in our side is the solution because what's going to happen is then midfielder Boak's going to go to a forward pocket and a half-forward flank and then people's going to start questioning his form again. Um, so, you know, not saying that those two players don't come back in, but I think we still need to select four positions more than just trying to best pick the best team on paper. And that's what some some of us are getting sucked into when we look at the ins and outs. And, you know, I mean, Aaron Young played in the reserves and got a massive amount of disposals and goals in the midfield. Mm. Um, but you can't compare that for when he's playing in the forward pocket. And... Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's folly for us just to want to pick the best names on paper. We need to pick positional, and which is what you're saying, which is what Ken Hinckley's doing. And it's, it's worked for him the greater part of the season so far. That's right. That's true. Well said. Yeah? Yeah. Do you agree? I do agree. You can challenge me. I'm happy to be challenged. I know Porsche would be arguing with me about now. Possibly, but I think she agrees as well. Yeah, and even Sam Gray. Sam Gray's a vexed one. I mean, he's actually doing pretty well, uh, you know. And I've been a bit of a Sam Gray knocker, but I guess he's playing that high, high um, half forward role, okay, linking in the midfield. Uh, and like a few of us are pointing out, it would just be fantastic if he could um, uh, finish. And the same with Jarman Impey. I mean, I'm liking what Jarman's bringing to the side. He does cons- uh, bring a lot of concern to the opposition. Um, I just think he, he probably needs a bit of mentoring from Matt White. He just needs to that little bit of composure after he's used his speed, maybe just to settle just a fraction so um, he actually maybe can get those shots a little bit uh, closer in between the two sticks. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that's something that Whitey's got is that he can sort of settle down before he kicks and he does, uh, or at least he used to kick a lot of long goals as well. But, um, you know, we've brought it up a lot on the podcast about Impey's um, snapping ability, which uh, is very much non-existent. But look, if he could uh, if he could finish off in front of goal, he would be a mighty player. I thought he played really well on the weekend. Impey was just, again, his finishing, which really let him down. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, he's so fast, though. I mean, it's just, you know, with, the, with now with that uh, whole zonal flood around the ball, I mean, a player with his speed is just amazingly uh, important to try and break those lines and get behind that swarm of players. So um, we just need to sort of bear with him and help him develop. Um, you know, and, but again, you know, if he can't do it, I mean, can we carry a team where we get a lot of passengers in the possession stakes? You know, Aaron Young's not a big possession getter. Jake Need's not a big possession getter. Jarman Impey's not a big possession getter. Um, Jackson Trengove's another one that doesn't rack up a lot of ball, you know. So we start looking at maybe one fifth to a quarter of our side, which aren't huge uh, possession winners. And can we carry a team that's like that? It depends. It really depends on what else they bring to the table. Well, what do they need to bring to justify it? Goal kicking ability. Are they all goal, goal kickers? Say the names Maybe again. Ar- well, you got Jarman Impey, Jake yes. Need, Jackson no. Trengove. No. Aaron, Aaron Young. Not this year. Yeah. Mm. I'm thinking, I'm trying to think. <clears throat> I know I've forgotten one under the heat of the moment, but I'm sure there's another one that's um, notorious for not getting a lot of ball either. Maybe someone can remind me. But yeah, we're lucky. We're lucky to have Robbie Gray, aren't we? We are very lucky to have Robbie Gray. Look, I'll tell you what, the Spreaker chat has gone off. Porsche's had about 50 messages already. Uh, Dylan's uh, loving it. Um, Porsche was happy for Whitey to come in. She's also criticised uh, Westhoff for his work rate on the weekend. Says he should really be dropped for that. Uh, which we all know is not going to happen. Come on, Porsche. 
Um, but yes, the chat is going off. It's great. Is it? What's what's <clears throat> what's going off on the chat world? Oh, look, there's still a little bit of uh, inconsistency about Whitey. Some people were happy, some people weren't. Um, as I said, he had 24, 18, and 21 touches and a goal in each game prior to getting that six-touch uh, effort last week. So he was in some okay form. As I said, we needed someone on the outside. I'm happy for him to have come in for that particular game. And as I said, he did his job very, very well. Does he hold his spot? That's dependent on, I think, if Amon comes up, which looks doubtful. And, yeah, look, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Um, I think he probably will this week, to be honest. Yeah, I mean... I mean, if you're going to drop someone, it's probably not going to be him, is it? No, you wouldn't think so. Uh, Look, I... You know my sentiments on Justin Westolf. I've said it for a long time. And uh, I think the uh, the greatness of Justin is few and far between to be a protected species. Mm. But I guess they love that swingman component where if we're under pressure, he can drift back and take them up. He's just really sort of uh, run around doing a hell of a lot of nothing so far this year. So, I mean, he's not really kicking goals. Is he doing enough down back? Is he really getting enough ball to justify playing on a wing? I, I really don't think he is. No, and, he, and what he's doing is either costing us a proper second tall forward or he's costing us another expert midfielder like perhaps a Joe Attlee um, in the midfield. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd love to see Attlee get a go because uh, you know, I was, uh, I'm sure I'm not talking out of school here. I, I I was at the Port Club and said hello to Timmy G on the, during the week. And, uh, you know, and Tim was saying he's a big Atley fan. He loves him and he's a wrecking ball. And, yeah, mm. and I know, I know you love him. It'd be great to uh, see him have an opportunity. But it's another one of those players where I don't want to be a hypocrite. He's a midfielder, isn't he? So there's no point picking yep. him to play in the forward pocket. No, look, I think once he comes in, he'll get his crack in the midfield. And I also think that once he does debut, that'll be it. He's not mm. playing SANFL again once he comes in because I think he'll he will deliver once he's in the side. So who do you think he would replace in the side? I mean, it's a good question, but probably someone, probably like the sort set. of role that Archie's been kind of playing when he's been in the in the side. We still need someone that's really really good to come off the bench and do a job, give those uh, first string midfielders a break. And as we've said, we haven't really had that a lot over the last few years. And that's why I really like Atley because I think he's got the ability to uh, come off the bench, play on the inside, win his own clearances, win his own bowl. He's got really good pace. He can possibly play on a wing a little bit as well. Uh, could possibly play on a forward flank, um, which he did do a little bit uh, at TAC Cup level as well. Um, so I think he's he's not just capable of playing in one position. He can play sort of two or three, which I think will be pretty handy. Yeah, I agree. It's I wonder if he might be like he might take Sam Gray's spot, perhaps. Well, Sam's in decent form at the moment. Um, if he's going to take anyone's spot, it would probably be Jakey Needs in terms of his uh, spot in the side, not his role in the side. Right, yeah. So someone would replace Need in the forward pocket. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm just looking for the link to the show because someone messaged me saying they can't get their link to work. Okay. We can't have fans missing out, Macca. This is true. This is very true. All right. I don't want to throw you too much off the uh, off the agenda. So what's next? What is next? Well, we've got some questions. I've got one question. Can I ask my question first? Yeah. Is Jacko the new Matthew Robin? <laughs> Is Jacko the new Matthew Robin? I think that's pretty harsh on Jackson Trengove, to be honest. You reckon? Mm. Look, I, look, Jackson's not in good form at all, I don't <coughs> think. Um, it, it's very clear that uh, it has not worked his roll-up forward. I think that's fair to say. And you know we're both big fans of Jacko 
on this show. Of course. Um, but, you know, he's kicked two goals in the last six weeks. He's taken one mark inside 50 in the last six weeks. That's not he good enough a few, for, a, for a second toll forward. He took a few clunkers in the last quarter there. Not inside 50. But he, is he the player that sort of is bringing the ball to ground and just creating the contest? He, it, I wouldn't say necessarily gets outmarked very often. And, and I guess that's why I sort of uh, was intimating is he the... Uh, is he the next Matthew Robin, sort of a bit of a scapegoat with the supporters, but he's playing his role? Maybe. Is he... I don't know. I still think he's under the, under-delivering on what his role needs to be because we've only got one key forward, and if Dixon's not kicking goals, it puts a lot of pressure on someone like Robbie. Yes. Well, yes. that's where I was sort of intimating before, where I... I worry with some of the players we have in the side, we have too, we can have too many uh, passengers in relation to collect, collecting disposals. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And kicking goals. And kicking but we goals. Still seem, but we still <laughs> seem to kick good scores, so it's a bit of a contradiction. We are kicking good scores. We could, could, we could kick better scores. We could. Mm. So hit me. What are the questions? Let's, questions. let's get going. Speaking about uh, goal kicking, us against the rest has asked, how can we fix our accuracy in front of goal? It's great having the best defence, but if we don't make the most of our forward entries, it could cost us in a final. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, I mean, do you think we're... It already has cost us in a final. (laughs) Well, it did. Let's let's not go there. I had to see you cry once. I can't do it again. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously... um, I was going to say, but is it where we're ta- where is it where we're taking our marks and having shots from at goal? But we also miss a lot miss a lot of sitters as well. So we do miss um, a lot of sitters. We we do miss a lot of sitters. And, and you look at that last quarter. I think Whitey was running into an open goal and missed. Wines had a set shot in the last ten seconds and you know sprayed it from about fifteen meters dead in front. So we miss a lot of those. But I also think that, um, and this is what seems to happen, especially after half-time, is that we just start having pot shots at goal, like just from all silly angles. We, we seem to lose our structure up forward a little bit. We seem to lose our composure. Um, and we just start, you know, having cracks at goal from the boundary line and all that sort of stuff, which, uh, you know, is pretty low percentage. Yeah, and it's been something that's um, um, been chronic with our team for probably the last five years, and that's not having the best composure. And I guess that's why it's a little bit symptomatic of our goal-kicking now. I think those players still lack composure at clutch times. And, you know, are they are they completely cooked forever? I, I don't know. I, I'd hope not. And I guess it's just... it's Sometimes it's just one of those things they just need to do it a couple of times in a clutch game and then they start believing and then it grows from there. And that's what I feel like this team's at at the moment. You know, we just... We just need to win one, two games against some top eight sides and the belief will be there and that and that could be enough to catapult us uh, into the finals in a strong way. Oh, we know what's going to happen. Showdown final, we're going to kick 28 goals three or something like that and uh, win by 85 points. That'd be wonderful. Oh, my, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I that mean, we also be... need to start selecting players in the side that can actually kick straight as well. Like yes, that that can like Scott Hodges, Scott like Hodges, Scotty Hodges, yes. Tim Bring Evans. back Scotty. Yeah. Tim Evans in the gold square, the log. He'd be great. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Darren Smith. <clears throat> Smithy was not the, the best kick shot uh, set shot at goal. I've got to say. Yeah, but he, we he had a bit of the what... West Offs about him at times. He could he could we spray know our, the odd one. We know our mate Phil Swanson uh, loves. Uh, Darren Smith, though. Mm. True. Very true. Uh, next question, Power, 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 has asked, is Jacko's and Westy's career at a crossroads? Honestly, can't see Jacko back into that defence. It's working brilliantly without him. The forward line doesn't suit him, and his ruck work isn't AFL standard. Where do you play him? I think that's very harsh on his ruck work. I think uh, he is a very, very combative uh, second ruckman, and I actually like Jackson in the in the ruck, and I, I pushed him a few years ago um, to be in the ruck. So I think his ruck work is being very underrated. With that comment, 
I think his ruck works okay. It's just the fact that he's a little bit smaller than your than your normal sort of ruckman, which means that uh, he often doesn't get a lot of hitouts. That's probably what's holding him him back. But I think you know, even if he just became that sort of bench ruckman to come in and, and do a chop out, um, you know, I think he's still very very handy. I still think he could fit back into that defensive group. Um, we've still got players back there who aren't playing well. Um, and look, he could fit back there perfectly, I think. Who who do you think he could fit back there for? Look, I, I still don't think Homsch in great form. I don't think he played all that well on the weekend either. Um, so if we did want to go down that path, I mean, we could always drop Homsch and Trengove could take that spot in, his, in the side. Well, I do agree with Porsche that sort of um, Houston plays that intercept marking role nicely anyway. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I am secretly attracted to the sexy man, Logan Austin, coming back as that tall defender as well. And I, I'm not impartial. I think Jackson's providing a contest, and I think it's just one of those things that we need to just keep uh, persevering with. And, you know, look at Sam Reid from uh, Sydney. It took him a long time to develop as well, and uh, but he, I know he was pretty much a forward the whole time, so... Um, look, I think Jackson's providing the contest, bringing ball to ground. Um, he's providing an option. Uh, he's an experienced player. He's a, a heart and soul of the playing group. Um, I think we just need to give him a bit more time. And we're winning. It's not like we're losing. Yeah, well, that's true as well. Patience. That is true. Uh, Bomber Clifford has asked, uh, is our inaccuracy a unique problem or is it a league-wide phenomenon? Uh, that is a result of the highly defensive game plans being played by most teams. And he's given the example of high energy requirement equals high fatigue when having shots, which equals decreased accuracy. Well, I think we sort of answered that one. I reckon it's more composure-based. Mm. I, don't, I don't think it's league-wide. I think it's more our problem. I think we're sitting, what, fourth bottom in terms of accuracy in front of goal at the moment. Most teams are sort of above that 50% mark. Uh, or sort of around that, sorry, that uh, 54% mark. I think we're at about 51%. So we're a little bit lower than the average. Um, but it is a decent point. Um, but is it any different to what it used to be 25 years ago where most players played 100% game time? Oh, there might be, well, There might have been less explosive running back then, but you're on the ground pretty much the whole game. Yeah, true. I mean, look, I think the the flooding tactics now around the ball can result in opportunities, shots at goal to be under more pressure. I think that's one aspect. And also more pocket play as well. But we're, we're, you know, for the amount of time we're spending inside our forward 50, which is common that we're, we're sort of league leaders, it just, yeah, we're just not, um, for all those excuses, we're still not, as we said earlier, taking those um, those easier opportunities, which we should do. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, so I don't think it's a league-wide phenomenon. It's the simple ones that hurt, and uh, we just need to get those right. Well, that's what's frustrating about Sam Gray. I mean, throughout this year, for example... You know, he does the hard work. He's getting the ball. Um, he's trying to pry, apply pressure, but he then he then misses those easy shots on goal, and that's what us as supporters uh, remember. Yeah, and uh, because he's twelve goals re- nineteen this year, twelve goals nineteen. He's kicked uh, ten behinds in the last four weeks. And but there's some of those have been sitters and also momentum killers. That that snap up nearly in the goal line against Adelaide at the at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, you know, I still feel that almost cost us the game. I know it's hard to blame one player, but we had all the momentum, and then that sitter he should have kicked it would have put us basically right in the game. But instead, you know, he hits the post, they get a point, run down and kick a goal. You know, and then it was game over from there. Uh, they can be momentum killers, and he needs to be better than that, especially as yeah. a small, undersized player. He can't um, continue to make those consistent mistakes. And yeah, you know, well, Sam Gray's not pitch. a natural forward. Like as you were sp- speaking about before, he's not a natural forward. Like he's a natural midfielder being played in a forward pocket because of his his running ability and his pressure, and he can run further up the ground and 
and back back and uh, you know he's hard to match up on in that regard. But look, he's he's doing an okay job. Like he's kicked correct a goal in every game for the last what nine or ten weeks or so. So he is getting on the scoreboard, but it's those simple kicks. And look, most of the shots on goal that he has are within about twenty five meters, and they're not that correct. difficult. Um, no. If he had kicked 19 goals 12 this year, I think um, no one would be questioning his spot in the side at all. And, Absolutely. Uh, we'd be thinking he would quite possibly be, you know, top five or six in the best and fairest. Absolutely. And Jarman Impey's another one. Justin Westhoff's another one. Um, yeah, and Justin can probably go back into that original topic we had about not enough players getting enough ball at times. You know, he's another one. Um, you know, but these are the guys that need to be a bit more consistent with the goal kicking and the execution. Yeah. If we, and if we do that, I reckon we would have had a nice, at least another two more wins on the board. Yeah. Jarman Impey's kicked 13 goals, nine this year. And look, if there was an out on the full or a shanked shot at goal kick, he would have had about <laughs> 46 in that category as well. So, um, again, he, he's not far off. Like he, Again, he could have had a huge year. He could have easily kicked probably 25 goals this year, Impey, if he could snap properly. But... Because uh, he does get in bloody good position to win the ball in very dangerous uh, positions. Um, yeah, it's just unfortunate that uh, yeah he can't snap, but hopefully he'll get there. Yes. Next question, Power 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 has also asked: uh, Is Eddie a chance to play? He's kicked thirty-one this year already, leading the Farmer Medal by five. Yet he can't seem to crack into the team at one hundred ninety plus centimeters. He's big enough as a second tall option. I think we just need to give up on the hope that Eddie's going to play. Yeah. Um, I would say his endurance probably isn't up to it. And uh, look, let's face it, he's played, what, three games already this year. Uh, he, he played well against Frio in a, in a thrashing when Frio were basically witches' hats. And uh, the other two games, he was absolutely a spectator, and that was it. Um I'll say unless Dixon gets injured, I doubt we'll see Eddie at AFL level again. Yeah, pretty much. If we're, if we're going to bring in a, a second toll option, it's most likely going to be it's going to be Dukes for sure. Bring in the Dougal. which is unfortunate because I do like Eddie, and um, yeah, would have liked to have seen him play more AFL footy, but I just don't think that he's in the plans at this point in time. He hated the plans, Becca. I'm sorry. If he was going to play, he would have played by now. And mm. uh, it's okay. I mean, look, that's his place on the food, food chain as a mature age recruit. What is he, 27? At least he's, uh, at least he's had an opportunity to um, run around at AFL level. It's a lot more than, uh, than other people get. And uh, the youth is the future for us. So I'd much prefer to see Logan Austin, uh, Dougal Howard, Billy Crampton, be getting an opportunity. And I guess that's why I was a bit agitated with the Matt White thing because I was looking at an underperforming player and going, well, what's he, what's he getting selected for? We might as well, if we're going to have someone that's going to uh, stink it up, let's get a, uh, a young player to stink it up and get some time under their belt. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Eight has asked, where do the hosts stand on Australian hip hop? What's that? <laughs> Dylan, it's just, it's just uh, is that is that some is that a dance that Frank Sinatra does or something? Come on, man, what's what's going on there? Yep, well done. Uh, I'm not big on Australian hip hop to be honest. I prefer grime. Shoot me down, bring it on. What's grime? Don't isn't worry. That like mold? Isn't that like mold on the shower screen? Or screen it is. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay, that's exactly right. Good work. Uh, uh, Monkey Tunk Man has asked that uh, if you only had one choice left in life. And had to choose, would you prefer the Scott brothers in their playing careers or in their coaching careers? Oh, man, I don't understand why I hate Chris Scott so much. It's easy. It's easy to. I always forget who, which one coaches which team, to be honest. Yeah, I don't really they're, care. They're so it. perfectly interchangeable with their attitudes and facial expressions that I really don't know which one's which. Are there are there a bigger set of whinging coaches about umpires and and their and the rules? Like every time they're uh, they're coaching, the hands are in the air. You know they 
I saw him on the weekend with Chris, you know, complaining that where's the prior, the tackle, not being rewarded, but he, he completely ignores when it happens to them. So I guess the answer is I much prefer that. I didn't notice them as much as players compared to coaches. So I, I'd rather prefer them as players and coaches because they annoy the shit out of me as coaches. They were bloody good players. Like they, they were great players through that uh, Brisbane Premiership era. Um, I'd almost want to uh, want to pick one of them in their coaching careers just for the lulls. Well, that would have to be Brad Scott, surely. I mean, Chris Scott's at least won a premiership. <clears throat> I mean, Brad Scott's like Justin um, uh, Damien Hardwick. You know, Chris, how long Chris you... Scott is very passionate, I've got to say that. Like, I love his passion in close games and all that sort of stuff. Brad Scott is just a muppet. <laughs> Absolutely well, some... up it. Is he just fortunate that North Melbourne can't afford another coach? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Look, he, he's done a decent job. What did he get them to? Three consecutive prelims or something? So, with that team, he's probably done all right. Yeah, it's a tough club to coach, I guess. But not that. Players for me, not coaches. That's it. Well, let's get on to our review. And uh, look, Port played Collingwood at the MCG on Saturday afternoon and led all day to record a 31-point victory. 13 goals, 15 to 9 goals, 8. Uh, Robbie Gray was the star with 5 goals, while Sammy Gray also kicked 2 as well. Uh, Rick, why did we win this game? Well, it comes down to the trademark uh, performance of when we're on song. And that is our uh, defensive uh, pressure and contested possession. We used, um, you know, our disposal efficiency wasn't as good as Collingwood, but they were severely under pressure and overused the ball. And that that just comes down to pressure, pressure, pressure from our defensive structures. And, uh, yeah, it's it's really, really exciting when we're on how we play. And, uh you know, again, you know, Paddy Ryder, influential in the ruck, and I'm always a massive fan, you know, as you know, of having an influential ruckman. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it just allows us to uh, be cleaner at the stoppages. Uh, we've never had a history where we seem to perform to a losing ruckman consistently. So, yeah, our club's always been reliant, reliant on, a, on a winning ruck, and, and so that sort of led the way. And, you know, our big-bodied midfielders, which we didn't have even last year, um, allows us to win the contest and, and get the ball out and, and then put pressure from there on with our, with our zonal structures. Yeah, for sure. Look, if you were How to tell sound? me... Yeah, that was, that was good. If you were to tell me that uh, Sidebottom picked up 36 touches, Trelaw 35, Pendlebury 32, Taylor Adams 29, and even Jack Crisp 27, uh, you would think that Collingwood maybe dominated the run of the play. But it really wasn't that case at all. Like they just overused the ball, something shocking. They just seemed to sort of switch the play endlessly. It was almost Primus era uh, mm. quadruple switching uh, going on there for some sort of time. Um, and they just didn't use the ball at all well. Like we Defensively, we set up exceptionally well. I love the pressure that we put on. Um, and it was actually quite a tight game there through the second, third, and fourth quarters. Like, it could have gone either way for a while there. Um, but I really liked the pressure that we put on. We, we were right on their hammer pretty much the whole game, which was great. Mm, mm. It's um, The mystery is uh, why does it disappear at times? You know, is it just a fitness thing and it's not a sustainable game plan throughout a whole season? Um is it, is it a mental thing? But, uh, you know, because, I mean, we even played fantastically well against, like, the Geelong side, uh, the Geelong game, and, uh, you know, we were just a bit unlucky. But, yeah, why is it that we can't just rely on our players to be able to do this week in, week out? Well, we pretty much have most of the year um, in terms of our defensive... Pre- We've only had that one poor game against Essendon where we really let ourselves down. But outside of that, I think our pressure... Um, has been a highlight all year. So, you know, if we talk about the defence and the defensive structure, and you say, yeah, I guess I've got two questions for you. One is you're saying that uh, you're agreeing with Porsche that you don't think Homsch is in great form. Um, 
I'm looking at the last quarter here, and I, you know, just to refresh my memory a little bit, I didn't really think he was horrendous in this game. And the other one is, how importantly influential is Dan Houston to this defensive unit? I think he's very important because A, he can defend very well. B, he's got wonderful foot skills, so he's very reliable coming out of the back line. And C, as we know, he's a very good intercept player. Um, so I think Houston is uh, is very important going forward for this footy club. Mm. And? And what? Homsch? Why isn't Homsch being uh, that influential for us? Because I think Homsch... When I think of Jack Homsch, I think of that player back in 2014 as that sort of third toll uh, who was able to read the play and intercept. But we've got other players that can do that now. And he's being forced to play more of a man-on-man, which uh, in the last couple of years he has struggled. Like, he's not a great man-on-man defender. Um, You know, he's a lot better reading that play coming in. So I think that's why he's probably struggling a little bit at the moment. Which is ironic because probably our best defender Defender on form at the moment is um, Tom Cleary, and that yeah. was the question. And that was the t- question mark I had on Tom Cleary. He was lacking that one-on-one skill set, and he's he's now defend- turning into a beast at fullback. Yeah, he has. Look, he just keeps getting better and better, and uh, he's turned himself into some sort of player right now, which is which is wonderful. It's exactly what we needed. We, you know, without Carlisle there, we needed. Uh, someone younger to come in and, and step up and t- make that fullback spot their own. And Cleary certainly has done that in spades this year. And to be honest, I didn't think he had it in him to be this good, but you know, he really is playing great footy. Um, and the good thing is that he's great one-on-one. He's got really good endurance. Um, his foot skills are, are decent enough, but he can also take those intercept marks too. Um, so he's a, he's a triple threat at the moment. He's, he's doing great things. And I, I guess the important uh, aspect to the uh, the team at the moment, sorry, I just lost my earpiece, is um, how we restructured our midfield this year, which has been so successful. We're going for those big-body midfielders uh, more predominantly around the, uh, the contest in SPP and Brad Ebert uh, and Ollie Wines. I mean, how much of a difference has that made to our side? And again, they were just so influential on the on the weekend. Maybe not as much Brad Ebert, but um, SPP and uh, Ollie. Well, Ebert had a bit of a strange game. Like, he just couldn't get near it for the most part. He had zero disposals in the last quarter, and um, that was a bit of a shock. But um, I still thought he played okay. Like... Um, I thought he did his job through the midfield. Um, Pal Pepper, that was one of the best games he's played all season, I thought. Just an absolute monster in there. Eight tackles, five clearances. He played a great game. And Ollie Wines, he was you know, one of our better players on the day. And um, his consistency this year has been a real highlight. And it's something that he's probably lacked a little bit uh, in the past couple of years. But to see him go up another notch and really become one of the elite players in the competition and deliver that week in, week out... Um, you bloody beauty. He got there. Yeah, absolutely. He uh, He's the captain in waiting, maybe even next year. Um, but I, I thought Travis looked a lot more sharper playing back in the midfield than uh, drifting on the half-forward line. Yeah, oh, I don't know what to think of Travis Boak's game, to be honest. I thought watching it back, I noticed him less this week than I have in recent weeks. Um he probably made less mistakes this week, but I don't think he really influenced the play as much this week either on a, on a good thing. Um, mm. That sort of uh, that really quick handball I think he had, which led to Jakey Need's goal, that was brilliant. Mm. I mean, I thought he was, uh, I thought he was more... No- For me, he was more noticeable in this game than in previous weeks. So, yeah, he just looked more naturally in position and, and linking up and running and using the ball. And, uh, yeah... But it's interesting. I mean, so do you think we're still a tall forward short for the game plan that we're playing? I think we're a goal-kicking tall forward short, probably. Like, if Trengove was kicking goals, I don't think we would be saying we're too short. But um, when Trengove's not kicking goals, uh, then we quite possibly are. But uh, are many teams having multiple talls kicking multiple goals in a game this year. It seems to be more 
um, you know, one toll that's that's getting most of the the goal attention. Well, let's look. The Crows have got Walker with thirty three, Lynch with twenty, Jenkins with nineteen. Mm-hmm. That's that's not too bad. We won't yes. worry about Brisbane because they're a basket case. Carlton are the same. Mm. Um, so we won't talk about them. Collingwood only have one toll forward, so there's no point talking about them either. Essendon, who we got thrashed by a couple of weeks ago. Danaher's kicked 35. Cole Hooker's kicked 23. Um, so they certainly do. Um, Frio are a basket case, so we won't worry about them. Geelong, uh, Hawkins has kicked 31. Taylor's kicked 11. So they're probably in the same boat that we're in, in that uh, mm-hmm. their second forward's probably not kicking as many goals as what they would hope. Um, but I would say certainly there's other teams out there like you know GWS that they play three tall forwards usually. So and what are, what's, what are they what are they well, kicking? Cameron's on thirty nine, Patton's on twenty two, Rory Lobs on uh, twelve from nine games. Mm-hmm. So I mean they're they've got some very talented uh, tall forwards though. You know it's a bit of a oh, it's a sure. bit of a luxury. And it again, is, and look, is... we always knew that playing Trengove up forward when he's never played forward before was just trying to fit him in because, you know, he was so good in the ruck last year. But, you know, if we were playing Trengove in the ruck and maybe Ryder up forward, you know, every every game this year, maybe Ryder would have kicked, you know, that sort of 14 or 15 goals to this mark of the season instead. Well, that's why I feel like we sometimes we're picking for paycheck instead of the best player. Um, I, st- I still would uh, prefer Justin gone and a second, like a Dougal Howard, which is our second tall forward. Yeah. I still feel like Justin needs to do a lot more. Like Even though he's not playing as a pure forward anymore, like he still needs to be pushing forward and kicking goals, which he's just not at the moment. Well, and he should, he should be able to do that. He should. Like... Him on that size, like he's got great endurance. He can run all day. He's only kicked seven goals this year. It's probably five or six goals below par for me, for him. Yes. Well, he should be in that 15 to 25 goal range for a season, surely. He should be a goal a game player on a wing, for sure. So what about what about this controversial Chad Wingard tagging Pendlebury? How did you feel about this? Uh, I don't know. I didn't really notice it watching the replay, to be honest, but um, not sure. I mean, Pendlebury had a heap of the ball. I don't know if we were just trying to teach Chad a lesson in trying to show him running patterns of someone like Scott Pendlebury or not, but, you know, Wingard didn't really have a great day out there. He kicked a wonderful goal, and that was about it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't mind it. Sometimes, you, you know, we need to be taught a lesson, and... Um... Yeah, he, I guess it's an it's an opportunity for him who wasn't having the best game anyway to actually follow uh, a class player and, and see where he's running and and set him a target and uh, and it worked. So uh, yeah, I think why not? And but it was an amazing goal that he kicked, sixty meter bomb. Oh, it was huge goal. Yeah. So what was your takeaway moment from the game? My takeaway moment. In terms of what have I taken from this win? Yes. Uh, probably that we need to improve our efficiency inside 50 still. Yes. What's the solution? Well, we already spoke about that. Picking players that can kick goals? Yeah. And not having that... pot shots from all sorts of weird and wonderful angles. So does that mean we need a better forward structure? Or do we just need better instructions to spot up players? Are we burning players? I don't think we're burning players. I just think that um, maybe it's a little bit of a rush of blood or something when we run inside 50 and choose to have shots from you know, 45 metres out deep on the boundary line sort of thing. Um, mm. I don't know. I don't know. What did I take from this game? That our defensive pressure is first class, as we've known all year. Um, yeah. But we've still got a little bit of work to do. Uh, around the rest of the ground. So is it more no, of a I'm concern? Bullish. I'm, still, I'm still bullish. I, I think we'll win this week comfortably. I, I think we're a huge chance to beat West Coast over there. Um, Melbourne showed that it can be done. Um, yes. We've just got to go there and be confident that we can do it. 
to be honest. And and I think if we do show that sort of confidence, we will beat West Coast over there. I don't think West yeah. Coast, you know, they're definitely beatable at Subiaco. And I don't think we should be scared of that. And if we win the next two games, I can't see us dropping out of the top four. Yeah, that's a big call, Mecca. But yeah, you'd think so. I mean, definitely if we win the next three games, I'm, I'm with you. The next two games possible. It's just such a close close run. I guess it's just going to depend on those that 5th to 12 range and what they drop and what they win. But, you know, with the close season, if you can just string that run of four or five games in a row with wins, it's enough to really propel you. So, um, and not only that, Richmond, what, 6th or 7th, West Coast is, what, around that same range and Melbourne's 5th. You knock all those off, you're just creating a gap on those teams, aren't you? So, yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah. And this I'm is the you. time of year which which really counts. We're playing those teams around us on the ladder at the moment, and it's uh, going to make or break our season for sure. Well, and it's this time of the year um, where we're in the in the recent past we've been dropping them, isn't it? You know, July has been a notoriously bad um, month for us for quite a while. So uh, fingers, and even in our winning seasons of thirteen and fourteen, I don't think July was that great for us. So no, hopefully. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it can be better. And I guess we 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 might get uh, blasted if we don't recognise Robbie Gray. But um, do you think he's a, an injured player? Oh, he didn't look it on the weekend. He played a great game. Do you think he's showing the signs of having OP? Not anymore. I don't think. I. It still looked like he's underdone a bit. Like it looks like. He's constantly playing his first game back from injury or something. Like, he's just not moving all that freely. But, you know, if you can get 20 touches and kick five great goals when you're not moving freely, then uh, kid's a freak. Yeah, he's an amazing player. Uh, I just wonder if... So where does does Robbie fit in uh, Port Adelaide's AFL history? Like, uh, I think Kane Corn said on the weekend he's our third best AFL player. Um... I would say behind Treadray and uh, and Gavin, but I'm not sure if uh, Kane was including himself in the top two there as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's certainly up there. Uh, he is. I'd I'd like to wait until his career's finished. Um, but look, I've got a very very soft spot for Gavin Wanganeen. I just think he was one of the most amazing versatile players to play the game and. And Treadray was a, a complete beast. Um, so, yeah, look, I guess for me at this point in time, um, and their premiership players, which Robbie isn't, unfortunately for him at this point in time. So uh, I'd have to give them the top two. And, yeah. But, yeah, but look, if, if Robbie gets another three seasons, or durable seasons into him and can really extend the games played and the influence he's played, um, yeah, he'll be... Pretty close, I would imagine. You would think so. Um, do you think uh, he's a chance for all Australian this year? Oh, you'd think so, but you, you know, we're always pushing it uphill to get recognised in those sort of things. Um, but you know, he does attract a lot of attention. I, I would be thinking that Ollie Wines uh, and Tom Cleary and Paddy Ryder should be giving it a real push. But you know, he's in the what? He's top six or seven in the goal kickers. Um, you know, he's probably played five really, really influential games. Uh, I guess is that the the drop off in those other games where maybe he's looked like he's injured, uh, which might hold him back from all Australian. So, e.g., lacking just that little bit of consistency. But uh, yeah, we've got a few players that deserve to be considered for the all Australian side this year. Well, he's kicked thirty four goals so far. You would think, like, if he continues on his uh, on his average at the moment, he's going to end up around that sort of 55 to 60 mark, so um, which is a pretty big year. Yeah, but Macquarie's no Eddie Betts. Oh, look, you would think Eddie Betts will certainly have Eddie. a lock of one of those forward pocket positions, and Toby Green will have a forward flank, but... Um, and Cyril, Cyril Rioli only needs to play five games to be considered <laughs> for All-Australia. Very true, very true. But, uh, look, I would think that Robbie would certainly be in the... Um, Certainly be up there for the other forward pocket if they don't shove a uh, a midfielder in there instead. 
Absolutely. I'm with you. Oh, look, he'll be close. But I'm just, I'm just concerned that we, we never really recognise that well with this sort of stuff. So it's like talking about a Port Adelaide player winning the Brownlow medal. It just, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. I mean, yeah. if Treadray can't win one, if Gavin Wanganin can't win one back in the early 2000s when they should have, um, yeah, it's, I just don't know when we're going to win one. No, that's true. Very true. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about, mate? Uh, Ken Hinckley. Big Ken, yeah. Big Ken. He's polarising the supporter base this year. Um, Where is he at? Does he deserve to have the questions that that are being thrown at him? Look, quite possibly because we haven't beaten a decent team yet. I think that's probably... Fair that some questions are being asked. I've got faith that we can do something this year. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to wait until the end of the season before I sort of really knuckle down an opinion on where he's at. I think. Do you, and do you think it's going to be? Could he be like? Could there be like a Paul Ruse succession plan over time? Do you think where he becomes like the director and, and Nathan Bassett maybe becomes like the the implementing, implementing coach, a bit like Simon Goodwin, because it seems to be that uh, Bassett's being influential with our game style at the moment. I don't think so. I don't think that'll happen. I no? think Kenny. I think Kenny likes being the main man. Mm-hmm. The man calling the shots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Nathan Bassett's style is visible in the port? Port system of play at the moment, and do you think oh, for that sure. Na- absolutely? And do you, and do you think Nathan is maybe uh, one of the keys to our success? Oh, Bro- blind Freddie could see that that's true. Yeah, like ah, uh, you know, our defensive structure is completely built around Nathan Bassett's ethos. You know, so there's no doubt that we are like we're playing the best defensive football we've just about ever played as a footy club. Um, mm. So I've got no doubt that Nathan Bassett is is the main reason behind that for sure. Mm. So going forward over the next year or two, who, who's going to be more important, Ken Hinckley or Nathan Bassett? Ken Hinckley. Okay. I, th- I think we are already performing close to peak defensively as we're going to get. Uh, We might have a small improvement in us there, but I think other areas of the ground is where we can still improve a lot, like our forward structure, our forward efficiency, our kicking inside 50, um, our midfield, um, midfield's ability to win clearances and get the ball inside. You know, all that sort of stuff still needs a lot of improvement. Um, so I would say, yeah, Ken Hinckley is definitely going to be more important for us going forward. So really the, the final key is our our forward transition from our defensive structure. Yeah. And so how did the Spreaker track chat end up tonight? Was it, did, the, uh, did it remain active for the whole show? Mate, it's going at about a, uh, a message every five seconds at the moment. It has gone it- nuts. Is uh, is this they're just they're on their own plane, or have we have we been controversial for them, or what's going on there? Or is it just Porter and Dylan having a go at each other? Pretty much, yeah. That's that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's well, good. It's, it's good. Uh, you know, there's been lots of comments of what we've been saying. There's been lots of comments of their own. They're now talking about uh, Viney and Hearn bumping into each other or something. So. It's uh, it's great. It's been great reading it whilst also trying to talk on the podcast as well. <laughs> well, at least you can read it. I can't read it on my phone and do the podcast, so uh, it's all good. And plus, I probably don't need you know what I'm like. I probably don't need the distractions. So, but it's good to be back, and uh, and I appreciate Portia. I know seeing she's there. Thank you very much for helping me out over the last uh, over the last couple of months. So, uh, but yeah, it's good to be back and settled now and. Probably not travelling for a period of time. There we go. 
Good stuff. Yeah. Well, you can you can thank her in person on uh, on Thursday when you do the podcast together. I will. I'm looking forward to it. There we go. Are you Good going stuff. to the game on Saturday? Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. Half yep. your luck. I was supposed to be. I even got invited uh, to a nice open box in the Western Stand, and then I've been invited to a non-negotiable a uh, vegan meeting instead. Yeah, a vegan black tie dinner that now I have to go to. Ooh. So um, how wonderful! I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little bit sad. <laughs> well, you enjoy that, and I'll enjoy the football. Feel free to text me along the journey. <laughs> I will. I will. Until right. then, count the pair. Adios, amigos. Butcher. Not a long kick of the ball. Think about going short. He's got Lobie inside 50. Ignores that. Keeps it low. Wingard takes off. Hands it up to Boat. The captain sees Westhoff. He's in the square. He doesn't need him. Getting a little hot in here. 